Hello, welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, this podcast is a conversation that reviews and reapplies the preached word to our own minds and hearts and those of our listeners. Uh, today we're going to be discussing uh, Pastor Chris's sermon from Sunday uh, on Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. The title of that sermon is An Anatomy of Grace. You can find that on the website uh, and uh, check it out there. Listen to it before you tune in for the rest of this podcast. I'm here with Chris as the preacher of that sermon. Uh, so he's on the hot seat today uh, as we go over uh, two or three of the greatest verses in the book of Ephesians. So welcome, Chris. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. How'd you enjoy preaching those few verses? That was great and a little intimidating. Uh, to preach those, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, what we do on here is we try to go through the verses, talk about them, uh, not really re-explain them, but sort of re, uh, maybe go down some rabbit trails that there's not time to do in a sermon, uh, maybe just discuss uh, some extra points of application. Uh, so we're just going to jump in. Does that sound all right? Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll run the questions by you, and you can pick up anything as you go. You walked through these major things that God does as we sort of put grace under the microscope and look at its anatomy, that he saves, he gifts, uh, and he creates. Um, Before we look at each of those points, you had phrased these with the language of healing or correcting something, right? So each of the three points was to heal and or correct, kind of two of the kind mm-hmm. of the same idea there. What, why did you use that paradigm when looking at this text? Well, I was trying to think of the right sort of picture for why he's applying this or why he's he's saying this. Um, so he's sort of going back to let's see what verse is it? In verse five, in the middle of verse five, he says, "By grace you've been saved." He sort of inserts that. Right. And then he, he's going back and explaining that and the significance of it for us. And then all of it is within the context of his prayer uh, that he wants them to understand God's power mm-hmm. towards us who believe. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think he's dealing pastorally with certain issues that mm-hmm. might make us not understand God's power to raise mm-hmm. the dead mm-hmm. to life. Mm-hmm. So that's why I use some sort of like healing mm-hmm. Or a surg- almost like a surgical mm-hmm. illustration. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, well, it was good um, to, to lay out kind of incorrect views or approaches we might have mm. contrasted uh, with the correct ones. Mm. All right, the first heading was saves, that God saves. And this was, uh, like you said, it was a, a, a repetition of the same phrase uh, from the previous passage, or the previous sermon at least, mm-hmm. by grace you mm-hmm. have been saved. He adds on that part about uh, faith, which I want to get to in a second. You made the statement in your, your sermon is that if you want to see grace, you look at Jesus. Hmm. You said Jesus is the living picture of grace. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> what, are, what exactly, when you say he is the picture of grace, what are you imagining that we see when we're looking at Jesus yeah. that so displays grace for us? I mean... There's particular instances that are sort of the height of it. So it's like the incarnation itself, 
and all the events surrounding it that show this is the favor of God is with men with whom he's pleased. That's, that's the grace of God towards us is sending the Messiah uh, to save sinners. And then there's, you would think of the baptism of Jesus where he, he identifies with sinners and he comes in solidarity uh, to redeem sinners. And then the next one would be uh, his death on the cross. So it's the display of God's grace towards us in his wrath towards uh, our sin uh, in visited on Jesus Christ. So there's, and then the resurrection and the ascension. That's God's favor declaring uh, that his son is his son and that he truly has done the work for us. That, that shows God's favor and delight. He didn't leave him dead in the tomb. God was delighted to save sinners in this person. So it's those particular events. But I also think um, in his, his attitude and his, his preaching in particular, he also displays the grace of God. So it's the way he behaves towards sinners as well as what he says about sin and about redemption. So I think it's all of that. It's it's everything about him, mm-hmm. his his person, mm-hmm. his particular works, his mm-hmm. preaching ministry, his his loving service ministry, and his atoning mm-hmm. work as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that's one reason that we find Jesus and his lifestyle to be very attractive, but also so jarring because he never does or says what you expect him to. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in which we operate in a world of sin and shame and guilt, and and righteousness, right? As the mm-hmm kind of the currency by which we interact with others. Well, Jesus never interacted with that type of currency. Mm-hmm. Grace marked the grand events of his life uh, and the, the most mundane interactions, it seems like. Uh, so it is a, it's an interesting way to think about wherever we behold Jesus, we behold the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And it isn't opposed to... Um, I mean, I think when people say, you need to be like Jesus... So you shouldn't ever talk about people as sinners. You should never be mean to people. When they say mean, they mean like you say you're, you're living in sin. Uh, but Jesus did that. Jesus said, go and sin no more. And Jesus hated hypocrisy. Uh, so that's God's grace mm-hmm. in the world calling out sin for what it is. That is the favor of God mm-hmm. to actually tell someone what's happening and what they need to do. So... Anyway, that's just yeah. to add on yeah. to that. Yeah, great. So the salvation comes by grace. It is accomplished by the gracious work of the Father through the Son. Hmm. But then the means by which we lay hold of that uh, is tacked on in those next two words, through faith. And so you can see Paul, is, he got ahead of himself a couple verses ago, <laughs> right? And now he's kind of catching up and he's he's laid out everything that Jesus has done on our behalf. Then he gives us the means by which we lay hold. Faith is set in opposition to works in Scripture. But I know for me, at least early on in my walk, and still sometimes, I struggle to see how faith is not a work. Mm. Right? How is, how is, you know, I know my righteousness isn't enough, but is it my ability to believe? Why is that not considered just a different type of work? Why is that kind of categorically something different? Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, for one, because of its origin, so it's not from us, we don't, it's not something that we have produced ourselves, which would be a work, and so it's, it's a gracious gift, which we talk, talked about uh, in 
the second part, mm-hmm. but it's something that's given, something we didn't deserve to get. So it wasn't a like a tit for tat. Like you did something, and so you get you get this thing, and you work real hard, and then I'll give you something. Um, it's a gracious gift in it of itself, and then what it does itself looks different than like a normal type of work. Right. What a work is. So it's not. Um, I guess like a mechanic laboring to fix something. It doesn't look anything like that. It looks like a person who is resting on someone else's work. The, the term resting, mm-hmm. trust, entrusting means you must, you must do it, but it isn't a type of labor to obtain something of your own energy or effort. That's how I would mm-hmm. understand it at least. So Yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's the, it's the opposite of work in that it's not work mm. in a sense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's in every way possible not working, right? I mean, it's letting it's entirely letting go. It's entirely being still in a sense, mm. right? It's entirely. Uh, I mean, you said throwing, putting your weight into it. It's entrusting mm. your weight, sort of, into something it's else. Something else that's going to do the work, right? Yeah. The illustration. You, there, it's the problem is you can't find a good illustration, right? Of course, stuff, right? right? But. One of the ones I've liked to use, at least when people ask about sanctification, and it doesn't—it's not perfect, so don't, you know, don't tear it apart. But you know those things in um, uh, airports—they're like the—they're not escalators, but they're like walking paths, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the moving sidewalks. The moving sidewalks. So like being brought out of an estate of your own works. Those are the people over there walking on their own. They're trying to make it themselves. Mm-hmm. Being brought into Christ's work, you're just like thrown onto that little, mm-hmm. whatever that thing is, that mm-hmm. little pathway that yeah. moves on its own. Yeah. And even if you're like limping or broken or whatever, it's doing all the work. Um, something like that. Mm-hmm. Faith is trusting this other thing. Mm-hmm. It's doing the work for you. Yeah. Anyway. And I, it's so helpful. We always need to remind ourselves of that, that it's not, it's not a work. So it's not my, the strength of my faith. It's not the ability of my faith. It's not something I need to build up. Mm-hmm. not something I need to strengthen. It's something... I need to be better at today, mm. right? I mean, faith can be strengthened, mm. uh, but it's not something that I need to worry about how good am I doing in my faith yeah. today. Yeah. You know, it's not faithfulness. Right. Uh, it's a uh, it's a mere and simple faith. I mean, I do want my faith to be strong mm-hmm. because I would much prefer to have assurance and be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, happy in my estate. I know I'm saved. I'm... Um, I know that God has given me eternal life rather than like, I'm really not mm-hmm. that sure about it. And I mean, I would much rather have certainty, like Luke says in Luke chapter 1, verse 4. Mm-hmm. He writes, who so will have certainty than not have it. Uh, but you're right that it's the person who we trust in that matters and not the strength of the trust. Mm-hmm. Second point, God gives uh, gifts. This is to heal us uh, from our boasting, uh, right? And this is coming from verse eight, second part of verse eight and nine. It's not your own doings, the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I think you gave a good example about I think pride and complaining uh, as sort of boasting that we have, particularly in our own salvation. I mean, what ways are we sort of tempted to boast? about our own salvation, right? Or just generally speaking, sort of boasting before the Lord. How yeah. have you seen yourself or others 
struggle with that temptation. I think in the Reformed community, it's it's an intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like we've got this right. Like yeah. we got the doctrines right, right, or whatever, you know. Uh, so we've got the doctrines down, and so God should give us this stuff, right? Like, I have these things about you correct, so my life should be easy now, right? Uh, I think that's a, a very strong uh, temptation, in, at least in Reformed world, that I've seen, and seminarian. So what does that look like? I mean, world. no, you know, no seminarian you know is actually boasting no. before God. I mean, mm-hmm. how do we... How might we recognize that in ourselves? Mm. <laughs> We're good at recognizing it in others, mm. right? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's partly why I brought up complaining, uh-huh. and we might not actually complain out loud. There's this internal, um, I guess, anger or fear uh, that we don't trust that God's doing it right, or we're upset about how God's doing it because we think we deserve something else. Um, that would be an indicator. Uh, mm-hmm. is this this internal grumpiness or being mm-hmm. upset with the way things are panning out in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's a prime indicator, I, I think. Yeah, I think that... One, I, I was thinking about that. One way for me, I think it manifests itself in comparison. Mm-hmm. All right, so always... It's not actively boasting before God, but when we compare ourselves with others and think we're doing better than them... right. Or we're discouraged because we're not doing as well as them. Either one of those is it's just sort of a perversion of mm-hmm. boasting before mm-hmm. God, right? Mm-hmm. Of thinking, of what rung are we on the ladder before God? Like I could be doing as good as him mm-hmm. or her, and I could be, you know, God would be more pleased with me mm-hmm. if I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, they're not doing as good. Why are they getting all the good stuff? Why yeah. is their life so nice? Yeah. Yeah, or at least I'm not as bad as her. Right. right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever well, her things is. Things might be bad, but not that bad. <laughs> right. And so the answer to that is that it's all a gift. Mm. Right? Mm. I mean, it's just... It, 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 I don't know, coming back to first things, which Paul does, and mm. you know, identifying mm. who we are, salvation by grace and the simplicity of faith, and it's all a gift. It just keeps... I mean, it, it, re, it gives us the right perspective kind of over and over mm. again. That's uh, when any sort of works righteousness sneaks in, whatever crack we let it come in. Yeah. <laughs> he slaps it away. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I got that picture, at least when I was thinking through this. It just went straight to the book of Revelation, the picture of heaven, and somebody standing up in heaven saying, I'm the guy, mm-hmm. I did it. Mm-hmm. I, I did it. Uh, and there, there isn't a single person there saying that. There's no boasting in themselves. No one at all. Everyone is bowing to Jesus and saying, you did it, boasting in him. That's what immediately struck me. Yeah, that was good. The the challenge is almost every one of us would say amen to that point of the sermon. But what about now? And then, yeah, what's today? (laughs) It's it's Wednesday afternoon, right? And here I am boasting again. Here I am complaining again. Right. Uh, So just uh, that, um, yeah, just that continual reminder of the the simplicity of the gospel and the work of Christ mm-hmm. and even our faith is a gift. But the interesting part is from faith not being a work, Paul jumps to works, mm-hmm. right? End of the section, verse 10, your third point is that God creates. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
that means, make sure I understand that right, that God who has predestined us for salvation has also planned out a future for us that has works that are good that we will walk in mm -hmm. because he's going to get us there by his spirit. Is that right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's a, yeah, it's almost a fatal, it's not fatalistic, but you mm -hmm. can see how you can sort of go down that, yeah. that path. It's also incredibly encouraging yeah. that God has laid out a path for me. Yeah, there's, there's the, there's a new noble purpose that once you become a Christian, you realize God has this purpose for me that originally I was doing my own thing. I had my own purpose. Um, so it is encouraging because you realize God has a plan for, for what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. no, it's not, well, you're just stuck here for the next however many years yeah. until I bring you out of this world right. and take you to heaven. Right. So no, he's got work for us to do. Yeah. So let's be clear um, theologically here. The work that God has for us to do, the good works, is not to make sure that our faith is added to by certain good things he makes us do. Right. So that on the last day... We show him our works. Yes. Absolutely not. No. The works are the fruit and yeah. evidence of a saving faith mm -hmm. that we have received as a gift. Yeah. God doesn't need the evidence of our good works to make sure our faith is true. Mm -hmm. They're helpful for us because they bolster our salvation, our assurance of salvation. Mm -hmm. But there is no second stage that we're waiting on to make sure we have to get through all the good works hoops in order to be approved. Right. I mean, the thief on the cross. How many good works could he present to God when he entered into heaven? I mean, what could he give him? Hey, I here, you know, I've got all these apples. Right. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. No, there's nothing. Right. Uh, there's there's basically nothing except for his confession yeah. of faith in right. Jesus Christ and his pleading for mercy. That's it. Which itself isn't an, an evidence. It is evidence. of yeah. the faith he's been gifted mm -hmm. in the new the That's new right. birth. So, you let's think about what those good works look like. You said in the sermon that people often think first of the civic good yeah. category of works. What did you mean by civic good, and why do you think people yeah. default to that? Well, and you can't throw it out, because it is part of it. Of course. But, but I think civic good or civic righteousness is just... I mean, even a non-Christian can do that. It's good stuff you do for other people. Okay, so, knowing my neighbor's lawn yeah. while they're out of town. Mm -hmm. That's a civic good. Yeah, okay. and that is good. All right, there's a kind, yeah. it is good. Well, That's I've never good. done it, but it's <laughs> an example. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, taking care of their dogs or their pets or your neighbor gets sick and you help them out. I mean, I know lots of non-believers who do way more civic good than believers. Like that... There's not a correlation necessarily. There should be that believers want to do more civic good than non-believers, but that's no indication necessarily hmm. Hmm. that someone has become a Christian. Um, okay, so what are the other categories? So the other What's ones, the, other the primary ones that I viewed were like the fruit of the Spirit mm -hmm. and spiritual gifts and a love of the law. Uh, uh -huh. uh, not the law, well, the law in the sense of the third use of the law. I want to obey God now because he's my father and he saved me and I it, I love your law it's uh it's like honey to my to mm -hmm. my mouth it, it's wonderful so that's a it's like a hungering and thirsting after righteousness uh, that should be our picture uh, for of, of what he's talking about so if I could rephrase it it's almost uh you're kind of saying don't 
only focus on the horizontal aspect yeah. of good works. It should be you part and your of fellow it. man. Yeah. But focus as well on the vertical. Yeah. Right? Sort of? Sort of. Because, well, so, I mean, civic stuff includes, it flows out of the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. in a sense, but when you say something like, uh, don't steal, somebody can choose not to steal, but that doesn't mean that they really help promote the property of somebody else. Mm-hmm. But as a Christian, now I want to help mm-hmm. promote this other person's property. When it says don't murder, I want to help promote other people's life. Mm-hmm. Not just because, but because God. Uh, because God cares about it. I care about it now. So you still want to do the horizontal, very much so. Um, but there is a vertical that definitely wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the, I think without the vertical, the horizontal will run dry pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Right? We'll run out of that uh, motivation pretty quick. Yeah. Well, good. Um, I didn't really pause and give you a chance to jump in. Did you have questions or rabbit trails or applications you wanted to go down at all before we're done? Uh, yeah, um, I think jumping back to that first point that we made about, okay. about salvation, God, that God saves, uh, I was thinking about the, the context of what we deserve. It was part of, part of the discussion, and I just thought this, at least application-wise, this part about God saving, that it's, um, it undercuts our self-obsession and um, our self, our view of self-deserving. I deserve this. I deserve that. So that was like part of my focus was um, it, it does away with that sort of thinking and says it's about God. God deserves this. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to bring that back up because I thought it was really uh, important part of the context. And actually this morning... <laughs> this morning I've got an illustration of it uh, Phoebe my my, I guess she's almost two now uh, she was fussing about something and saying mine 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 she can say mine <laughs> mine 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 and I started crying and then I started imitating her uh-huh. and I was saying it's all about me it's all about me and em- Emma my older child she said it's not all about you, it's all about God. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's what God's grace says. Mm-hmm. It says that it's, it's about God choosing to show his favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it undercuts all of the self-obsession and our boasting and our bad view of works uh, mm-hmm. at the end because mm-hmm. we've got weird, messed up view of works. We do. We really do. We put so much trust in them. Mm. We look to them to carry the weight they're not designed to carry. Or we think that they're useless and we don't have to do anything. Right, that's another side. That's of the it. other side, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sort of all about intentions, mm-hmm. maybe, and actions don't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, I'm going to close it there unless you have any other points. Okay, that was a rich three weeks uh, in those uh, that section, probably the most famous section of Ephesians 2 1 to 10. Uh, the next three weeks, which I'll preach the first two and then <laughs> Chris will close and the third uh, follow a similar trajectory just from a different perspective instead of being dead to alive 
Uh, they're from far off to near uh, and both accomplished uh, by the work of God. So it's almost a, it's not a restating or rephrasing. It's just a look at that same gospel narrative uh, from a slightly different perspective. So thank you for listening today for Watering Seats. Uh, we hope you found the conversation helpful as we seek to live out our faith this week. Uh, join us next week as we discuss the sermon uh, on Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Uh, I think the title is going to be brought near by the blood. Uh, you can listen to that. Uh, we ask for this sometimes, but we'd love if you have any questions after you hear the sermon to email us. We don't record these till Wednesday afternoon, so you've got time. If you didn't uh, get to ask us a question about the sermon, we'd love to try to answer it on the podcast. Uh, until then, we hope you join us. Grace be with you all. Thank you.